Welcome to another episode of The Wealth Principles. I am your host for today, Charles Danso. I want to welcome you guys tuning in from Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share today's episode. So I know it's been a while, guys. Again, I'm your host for today, Charles Danso. What are we going to get into today? If you guys have been following the news in the last couple days, yes, we're going to be discussing the collapse of one of the biggest banks in the world right now, Silicon Valley. What exactly went wrong? Why did the government come in and intervene and close this bank down? Why did it happen so fast? And what exactly is going to happen to all these investors that lost money through through this bank? I'm going to cover all these questions and then some. So to break down today's episode, guys, again, we're going to be discussing the key questions surrounding the Silicon Valley banking collapse. We're going to cover the questions such as what is Silicon Valley Bank and how big is it? What happened to Silicon Valley Bank? How did it happen so fast with the collapse? What did this mean for the banking system and just how worried should you be about about the bank? Also, what does this mean for tech companies in the near term? Also, why does Silicon Valley Bank so important to tech companies and what made them different than other banks? Also, we're going to discuss as well how th- how this may affect your personal banking if at all and what happened to those people that were invested in this bank. So again, if you work in tech, you're probably heard of Silicon Valley Bank before. If you're not familiar with this seemingly regional bank, nobody's blaming you. It had billions of dollars in deposits, but fewer than two dozen branches and generally catered to only a specific crowd of startups, venture capitals, and tech firms. Banking regulators shut down Silicon Valley Bank or often referred to as SVP just this past Friday, March 10th, after the bank had suffered a sudden swift collapse, marking the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Now, if you guys remember one of the the ones of 2008, I don't need to get into exactly which one that is, but if you guys are familiar with the 2008 crash, that kind of spells something similar to what happened just this past weekend. Just two days prior, SVP signaled that it was facing a cash crunch. It first tried to raise money by selling shares and then by selling itself. But the whole thing spooked investors and ultimately it went under. On Sunday, March 12th, though, the federal... That's just this past Sunday, guys, on March 12th. The federal government announced it would step in and ensure all of the depositors would have access to their funds by by this Monday, March 13th, this past Monday. Regulars... Regulators, excuse me, also shuttered another bank, Signature Bank of New York, which had gone into cryptocurrency, but ultimately, through due to the federal bank interve- intervening, stating as depositors' money would be guaranteed as well. So, for those that are listening right now, I'm I just told you there are two bank failures in the span of three days. Now, that isn't by coincidence. I'm going to get into a little bit as to why that is and maybe help answer any questions you guys may have surrounding any of these uh, bank failures. Again, so moving forward, the incident sent shockwaves across the tech sector as many companies and people with money invested in SVP moved to pull it out earlier in the week. Actions that ironically contributed to the bank's demise. I'm going to get into why that is. 
Not everyone was able to get their cash out though, and the FDIC, I'm going to get into what that is in a little bit, only insures deposits up to 250000 So customers who had more than that in SVP may have spent the last few days in a panic, though the government did assure that they will get try to get their money for them as well. Beyond tech bank shutdown, this has also caused some shakiness across the regular banking industry. That's your bank. Maybe if you bank with like Chase Bank of America, TD Bank, all these various banks. As, uh, because of the fact that there, there have been concerns that other banks could be in trouble as well or that, or that contingent could set in. It's important to note though for customers here, that's you guys, that really the money you have in the bank right now is almost definitely fine. The SVP collapse is a big deal and a symptom of bigger forces in motion in tech, finance, and in the economy. But it's not it's, it's not necessarily going to affect how you do your day-to-day banking. So again, like I mentioned, SVP, what exactly is it? What is Silicon Valley Bank and how big is the bank itself? So now to give a quick history, Silicon Valley Bank was founded in 1983 in Santa Clara, California, and quickly became the go-to bank for the booming tech sector and there and the people who financed it, as was its intention. The bank itself claimed to bank for nearly half of the U.S. venture-backed startups in 2021. It's also a banking partner for a lot of the venture capital firms that fund such startups, especially in Silicon Valley. SVP refers to itself many times as the financial partner of the innovation economy. So that just basically means that it's tightly woven into the financial infrastructure of the tech industry, as in particular startups. The, the, the arrangement excuse me, has been great for SVP when things were great for the tech industry and not so great when, it, when they weren't in a great, uh, sorry, arrangement that has been great for the SVP when things were great in the tech industry and not so great when they weren't. But for a long time now, things have been very, very good. And venture capitalists were giving a lot of money to a lot of these startups that's going and then going through the SVP to do it. SVP currently had about $200 billion in assets when it failed, which is actually a little bit less than the normal banking uh, assets, such as example. Like if I was going to compare that to JP Morgan, which pretty much has assets of about $3.3 trillion or so. That's kind of small compared to the bank like that. But again, SVP is the largest bank to fail since the Great Recession, as well as, again, one of the largest U.S. banks to fail ever, regardless of even though the assets aren't as big as, let's say, a J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. So what exactly happened to SVP? Silicon Valley Bank met its demise largely as a result of good old-fashioned bank run after signs of trouble began to emerge in the second week of this past March. The bank takes deposits from clients and invests them in generally safe securities like bonds. As the Federal Reserve, guys, remember, has been increasing interest rates. As a result, those bonds have become worthless. That wouldn't normally be an issue. However, SVP would just wait for those bonds to mature. That's what exactly what they did. But because they did that, there's been a slowdown in venture capital and tech more broadly. 
Now, what that means is, again, they use bonds as a means of, of investing, particularly. But what they didn't, what SVP didn't predict was a slowdown in the tech and fi- and basically financing and venture capital industry. Why is that? If you guys have been paying attention to a lot of the tech companies doing layoffs, that's important. That basically means that a lot of these tech companies aren't making the money that you think that they are. The anomaly is like an Apple because Apple has such free cash flow. I call it fuck you money. So they have the funding to basically pay all these employees that they're hiring, especially at at a great rate. But a lot of the other tech companies such as Meta that was going through a whole restructuring phase with their own management, uh, Google, so many others out there. They're facing a crash crunch right now where they're trying to save a lot of money and reinvest into other resources. They don't have such a big cash flow like, say, Apple. That's why you really haven't heard of Apple getting rid of anyone, really, as opposed to the other tech companies out there. Now, going forward, on Wednesday, March 8th, SVP's parent company, SVP Financial Group, said said it would undertake a 2.5, 2.25 billion share sale after selling 21 billion of securities from its portfolio at nearly a $2 billion loss. The move was meant to, sh- to shore up its balance sheet. However, it actually ended up spooking the market and its clients. The share price of SVP Financial plunged on Thursday. By Friday morning, this past Friday, trading of the stock was halted, and there was a reporting that SVP was in talks to sell. Big-name VPs such as Peter Thiel and Union Square Ventures reportedly started to sell their companies to pull started telling their companies to pull their money out of the bank while they could. Now, how did this happen so fast? Part of the reason why Suncom Valley Bank's specific problem is that it was so concentrated on its business. Now, audience getting into explaining what that means. Silicon Valley Bank catered to specifically venture capital and private equity. So that's basically the individuals that fund a lot of startup companies and or businesses. As the sector has done well over the past decade, so has SVP. But because the bank was solely focused with just high exposure in just one industry, that actually backfired and became a risk for them because, again, Things aren't doing, you're not doing so hot right now if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup company. Because again, with so many things happening in the market, especially in the tech sector in particular, which kind of holds a lot of these startup funding, it's kind of hard right now for a co- like a bank like SVP to get the funding that they need to a lot of these startup uh, owners and stuff. Because of the fact that right now with the, with the uncertainty of the market and everything else like that, it, it's kind of shorting them up. So when things got bad for its non-diversified group of clients, it really got bad for the bank. This has proven that having 50% plus of your business in just one industry is very dangerous. Audience, that's very important to know across the board. They outperformed on the way up, but when that shit came down, that shit came down for SVP. So basically, as a result, they actually ended up really, really defaulting on a lot of these these uh, funding opportunities that they had. And they had to kind of sit, try to sell a lot of these assets because, again, the clients got spooked and they felt like they had to pull out. Now, what does this mean for the banking system and just how worried should you be about the bank? There's an argument that you can make 
that is good for banks to fail from time to time. The longest stretch in U.S. history without a bank failure was from 2004 to 2007. So that's only a three-year gap where there really wasn't any major banking failures. But outside of that, there's pretty much every other year there's been some type of bank failure. And as well, you know, what happened after that? The after 2007, 2008, the recession, if you guys remember that, that was a lot of shit going on, to say the least. The overall banking industry is likely fine. And again, Silicon Valley, Valley Bank probably would have made it through had everyone not freaked out at the same time. Because remember, if you're pulling out money all at once, from especially from a bank, that's its primary focus is to save money and hold money. And if you're pulling all that at once, it's going to hurt the, the company itself. And that's exactly what happened. Because of the fact that investors got spooked and pulled their money, it actually ended up hindering and hurting the bank as a result. That said, though, the SVP collapse isn't great, especially for the people who are going to be stuck holding the bag. Bank stocks are sagging and troubles at SVP and Silvergate are prompting issues elsewhere. There's always a risk of contingent. Banking is fundamentally a game of trust and confidence. There could be more trouble ahead as the Fed continues to increase interest rates in an attempt to cool down the economy and bring down inflation, especially if it, if it does so aggressively. The more, the more rates go up, audience, the more the banks on the edge start to become a problem. Still, you don't need to start pulling your dollars out of your bank and hiding them under your mattress. Also, remember, up to 250000 of bank deposits are insured by the federal government. So unless you've got more than that in there, which you, if you do, hey, congratulations. So exactly what does this mean for companies in the near term? The most, the most immediate issue for tech companies that had no money tied to SVP and hadn't, hadn't gotten it out yet is a very big question that doesn't have very obvious answers. What happens when you need to pay someone like employees in a startup? While the FDIC... And again, to what exactly that is, has guaranteed deposits up to 250000 depending on the size of, the, of your company. That money wouldn't go very far. Why is that? This doesn't just apply to companies that deposited cash in the SVP. It also is a question for companies like SVP Instruments, like uh, Re Revolver Loans and Credit Cards. That's all important. All these play a factor as to what exactly the bank uh, FDIC needs to insure back to is, is the customers that invested in the SVP bank. So again, that's important. There were also real concerns about knock-on effects. Even if your startup didn't use SVP, your vendors might have. And while the government announcement should give most companies kind of a, a, a understanding and, and a lean way in a way, Assurance that they'll get their money back eventually, there will likely be some kinks to work out in the near term. Now, why why was the Silicon Valley back important to tech companies and what made them different than other banks? One way to argue for Silicon Valley Bank's influence in the tech world was that it's to attend a tech conference. If audience, if you've ever been to a tech conference, you've probably seen the SVP sponsor and or featured speaker that might be like a ceo of svp one of the managers a branch managers or something like that they tend to go to a lot of these tech uh, conferences especially in, in los angeles 
But most of these connections happen behind the scenes. Unlike other banks, tech industry observers say Silicon Valley Bank was willing to work with tech startups in ways other banks might not have been more reluctant to, like helping early employees secure personal loans for a house. So a lot of times, audience... The 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 way I, the benefits of having a bank like Silicon Valley Bank is they kind of help out the startup, the the person that just getting their business started up. It's harder to go to a bank like Chase and ask for a loan to get your your business started because they're very skeptical in kind of giving you this money without getting some type of collateral back in return. That doesn't mean that Silicon Valley Bank doesn't. But what they do is they will give the money to a lot of startups because they make the money on the back end where a lot of the regular banks like Chase or Bank of America or something like that wants kind of collateral up front. That's why a lot of people tend to put up their house. They'll put up their car as like collateral or something like that to get a loan from a regular bank. Silicon Valley Bank, even though there is a process, you're more likely to get approved at a faster rate without getting something to give up in the early part. Of your entrepreneurial journey. Now, um, transition as well. Did Silicon Valley Bank collapse so quickly because it was tied to tech? It certainly seems like that was the case. In large part because the tech startup world is tightly plugged into itself, with founders and executives constantly trading information and boasting on Twitter or text chains or signal chats. One tech company pulling its money out of the bank is a story that quickly casts cascades to the leaders of other companies who then tell leaders of other companies now what that just basically means audience is the tech industry is very small if you guys work in finance or healthcare and you think those industries are small the tech industry is really really a who you know and the person tends to really know who you know type of scenario and that means that a lot of information is trickling down. So maybe someone that works in Tesla will know somebody that works at Apple. That's why it's not by coincidence. Usually Apple tends to poach, uh, let's say, employees from different companies like Tesla, like Google, like Microsoft, and vice versa. Because, again, the community is so small because it's so hard to get into the tech industry as, as, a, as an actual career, like a nine-to-five job. So actually having yourself in there you kind of are in like the the creme de la creme like you're in a certain group it's almost like a fraternity or, or sorority in a sense where like it's an exclusive society where it's like you have to really know who's who to really understand like yeah i'm in the tech industry and that's kind of how silicon valley bank operated they operated as a oh we're the financiers for this exclusive club well, when the exclusive club started to take hit from their personal companies and or businesses that they are were invested in or, or managed, it took a hit because the funding or the bank wasn't making the money on the back end that they thought they were previously. And that's exactly what had happened. Now, this is a little different than a regular bank like, let's say, Chase and or Bank of America because of the fact that, again... There's different facets. There's people that hold their money in those type of banks just from a paycheck or from they need a, a mortgage, like, you know, to pay for their mortgage or get a down payment on a house, etc. 
that's different than something like a Silicon Valley bank that focuses primarily on just startup businesses. And remember, startup businesses tend to fail, especially in the first three to five years. So they're really banking on the 1% that's really going to make it like the next person that's going to be a Steve Jobs or something. That's what Silicon Valley Bank kind of fucked up at. The reason being is because right now how the market is going, obviously with, with people speculating of a recession coming really soon, a lot of startup companies are skeptical to want to get into into the rooms with a lot of these uh, a bank like Silicon Valley Bank because again they don't know what they have to pay on the back end due to inflation, interest rates increases, etc. Like that. And one thing you have to notice, you have to notice audience or be cognizant of a lot of CEOs or founders of companies don't really like interacting with banks as is because of the fact they feel like there's a disconnect with their vision and what exactly the bank is willing to pay them or give as funding for that so all these play a, a huge factor so it's really important to understand that again silicon valley's banks was actually their own doing in hindsight if you really think about it so that's just important to know audience so i mentioned fdic i want to get into exactly what that is and will the and will silicon valley bank customers get their full two hundred fifty thousand dollar back well, we'll have to wait and see. So FDIC stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. This was actually created in the wake of the Great Depression of the 1930s, when a lot of banks failed and their customers lost all of their money. To protect customers who use American banks and provide some stability to American banking system, if a, mem if a member bank fails, it's deposits, that's the money you've put in, in said bank, are insured up to 250000 So that's basically the cap. So let's say again, with a situation like this, because of the FDCIC, that's the insurance for banking, you're eligible to get as high as 250000 and that's the most that you invested in, into said bank. Example, in this case, Silicon Valley Bank. Now, anything beyond that, there's no guarantee you ever see that money again. So if a lot of people that invested, let's say 500,000 plus in Silicon Valley Bank as investors, well, it's going to be hard hard to kind of get that because again, the rules of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is getting your money back as much as 250,000 or or a quarter of a million as they would say. So that's important. At least that's how it used to work, but uh, you got to love this administration because a few days ago after Silicon Valley Bank's failure, the Federal Reserve Board, Department of the Treasury, and the FDIC all announced that it will make available additional funding to eligible depository institutions, which would reimburse depositors in full. That funding, the announcement said, will come from loans from the newly created bank term funding program. Because this is so new, we don't know exactly how it will all work or when the depositors can actually expect to get their money back. The FDIC or the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said earlier that 250,000 insured funds would be available no later than this past Monday, March 13th. It's still trying to figure out though who exceeds that 250,000 cap and by how much. And if you're one of them, you have to definitely reach out and see if you can get that funding back as soon as possible. 
So I kind of gave you guys more so the blueprint. I kind of explained. I know it was a lot of material. I hope you guys are definitely following. I gave you guys what Silicon Valley Bank is. I kind of gave you guys the history of it. Why do they specifically focus on startup startups and venture capitalists? And exactly what is the FDIC or the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation? These are all things that's important to understand, especially how the market is going, how this how this bank failure basically trickled down Wall Street or, or broke down Wall Street as a whole. Now, this does, may not affect you in terms of how you get your paycheck into the bank. But again, if you're an investor in the stock, is then I'm sorry to say you took a major hit and there's no way you're going to get that money back. Or if you are an investor in Silicon Valley Bank and you have over 250 in money that you have in that bank, I think you'd be hard-pressed to kind of reach out and see if you can get that money as soon as possible. So again, this is the the my information i wanted to share with you guys i hope you guys definitely took some notes from this just to get some history i know a lot of people have been asking questions like what is silicon valley bank like what does it do why is everybody talking about this and that's exactly what i wanted to give you guys was the blueprint so guys this is part one of a two two episode drop week so you guys stay tuned for the next episode again my name is charles danso of the wealth principle I hope you guys like today's episode. Share this with any friends, family, co-workers, anyone in your circle you feel could definitely benefit from just this knowledge that we're sharing. And you guys definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Danso, Danso Solutions, Inc., as well as The Wealth Principles on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hope you guys enjoy. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. Peace.